Hey everybody, in this episode of History Unloaded with Danny and Ashley, we're going to talk about ladies' undergarments. Awkward. <laughs> I mean, like, just a little bit. Um, you know, we're trying to be in the Netflix Bridgerton times. So I keep seeing a ton of references to Bridgerton, and I have no idea what it's about. It's amazing, and you have to watch it, Danny. I haven't watched it yet. I <gasps> first have to finish Dawson's Creek, okay? And then I have to do Night Stalker before Netflix pulls it because of everyone's being so enraged by how violent it is. All right. Well, then Bridgerton needs to be on your list. And yeah, there's it's a Bridgerton's l- after Night Stalker. Okay. Because That's Bridgerton's not going anywhere. Okay. So wow. anyways, it's a great historical, very juicy, sexy, lots of sex drama. And very historically accurate, I hear. We're very what? Historically accurate, I hear. Oh, no. Uh, but anyways, I mean, we should probably... This used to be a gun podcast. ...just talk about ladies' undergarments, but we are talking about firearms and fashion. Um, so we're going to kind of start out a little early, and then we're going to work our way up through today, where there's some really questionable fashion choices. And no, we're not talking about 5.11, and no, we're not talking about grunt style. We're talking about, like... Action! Almost an actual fashion companies. <laughs> rude. <laughs> rude. But I met like you know mainstream companies that you know were involved that that somehow tie firearms into their fashion, even though they may or may sure. not support firearms. So where do we want to start? Like how far back? Do we I think you said you wanted to start with Queen Anne pistols, and then you had some argument about Queen Anne pistols that I don't think has anything to do with fashion. But let's go. Let's let's do this. So my my working theory is, and this probably is not the first time where we could talk like firearms as fashion, because if you think about very early like wheel lock sporting guns and how ornately like show offy they are, they're definitely I think you could make a case for them as like a fashion item. But really art, Danny. Wheel locks, but make them fashion. So where I think you make a stronger case for it is when you start to get the kind of guns that people would actually like carry around like a well-to-do uh, gentleman of the early 18th century might or late 18th century. Um, Why has it got to be a gentleman? Well, because life was rough for ladies back then. <laughs> That's exactly why they needed a firearm, Danny. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to let you go when you're went- going and then I'm probably going to contradict you you fill in why i'm being super sexist right now and i'll finish this half of the story (laughs) um so let's say you're a well-to-do person of the late 18th century one way for you to display your wealth is to carry an ornate firearm and there's a few places where you get there's like the top tier of gun makers at the time is probably london maybe paris but there are well-known gun makers. Some of them have like royal commissions, but if you want the finest set of say carriage pistols or like uh, coat pistols or something like that, you go to one of these gunsmiths and you can spend basically however much you can dream up to get a finely made gun. And I think that is partly if it's a gun you're going to be carrying around on you, that is in part a fashion statement of that time period where I would like to like, Oh, sorry. Well, where I'm going to stretch this to is that because of these really expensive, finely made guns, this spawned like a knockoff industry in Belgium. So for every 
you know, Mortimer and Egg in London, there was a comparable knockoff version you could get out of Belgium. So sorry, I, I'm getting really like I think I finally got your connection. Can I can you get I, where I'm going? You finish? Is this like the like coach? bag versus the knockoff in on in chinatown in new york did i get there exactly (laughs) exactly like it so we have in our collection a so one of these fine london makers is sigalis uh and you can find that on english made pistols you can find that on locks we have in our collection a belgian version that's misspelled i think is seglis and so it's like this crude it looks from a distance like it's a nice English pistol, but it, like if you look at it all closely, it's clearly not as well made and it's got the clear misspelling of the name. But for somebody that maybe wanted to pose a little bit, like this could be it. And so if you couldn't afford the the coach bag, you went over to Liege or Liege and bought yourself a Seglis. That's, Does that make sense? I feel like if you went to like Belgium, then like you probably had some money. Yeah, I mean it's not a perfect analogy because there's some stuff going on. How did you? I'm sure you people were like, to, how would you get to Belgium from England back then? They didn't have the channel, did they? Did it exist back then? No, it it definitely did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm did sure the there pirates were people, bring like, them over? Did the pirates bring them over? <laughs> yes, it was all pirates. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> but there were there would have been like importers and maybe like let's say i don't know maybe you're in the colonies and they bring a shipment of guns over and I, I, there's probably a number of ways you could like actually get the guns but the analogy is if you wanted to pretend you were fashionable you could go buy the cheaper version in belgium i like to think of it as a guy in a trench coat who opens up his trench coat and he's got like all the fake guns in his trench coat I mean, yeah, he's got like fake watches on one side, like fake iPhones on the other, and then a pocket full of just flintlock knockoff pistols. Well, and so where I thought you were trying to go with this, which is what I thought was directly tied to fashion, was the fact of the the smaller pistols that you, you know, the Queen Anne's that started, you know, the era of all the smaller guns, even though it wasn't that small. Um, and that you were going to talk about muff pistols that were, you know, guns that could be carried in the ladies muff. <laughs> we're super mature. It's a little, never mind. Um, uh, and then boot pistols and vest pistols, which is how they like earn their name. They earn this, you know, colloquialisms because they could put you bit in your clothing. I mean, those are good places to go with this. Like talking about how some of these pistols then became items to wear with certain articles of clothing. Like you have vest pistols. There's a whole style of, especially American made guns that are like single shot boot pistols. Like that's a whole genre. Um, so yeah, there are like items directly connected to pieces of fashion in a sense. Yeah. But I think we were trying to go as I see it now that we've done your analogy, we were going to go into firearms companies actually somehow being weirdly connected to fashion. And then we're going to flip it at the end and talk about mainstream fashion, adopting firearms like qualities and what they make. 
Okay. So what's what's okay. next on the topic? List? Um, why don't we talk about Winchester and corsets? Because I did advertise the salacious topic of ladies' undergarments. So let's talk about corsets. Okay, we'll go to corsets. So this one is this one's a really odd one. So Winchester, I, well, we jumped over the really obvious one, which is that Winchester got his start making shirts and oh, inventing a new yeah, that's right. collar. He's a shirt manufacturer. Oh. We we're really bad at being firearms historians. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll touch on that. Winchester got his start as a well. He tried a few other things that didn't go super well, but he found success as a shirt manufacturer, running a factory for men's shirts, and patenting a new design for men's shirts collars. And there's still a fashion item called a Winchester collar, but it's not the one he patented. It's just that weird, like when you have like a dark color shirt with like a bright white collar, people sometimes call that a Winchester collar I've seen. Um, I've never, I've never been a fan in my life. I'm now. I saw it on the internet. So it's true. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so he, so there's that. Oh my God. We cannot oh. like communicate today. <laughs> We're struggling. It's late in the day. Um, but yeah, so shirt manufacturer. And my question was going to be, does anybody know where those, sh- like, are there shirts that survived in like some shirt museum somewhere that they don't even know? Because I've wondered this too, because we don't have a Winchester shirt in our collection. I really, really want one. And there must be like some local history museum or any museum that has some kind of like clothing collection or textile collection that would have ended up with one of these because it would be just like a 19th century shirt. And there's plenty of 19th century clothing in museums. Like I've been in museums and seen it. So it's gotta be somewhere. Yeah. I just realized that last week we promised we'd do an episode on a gun. (laughs) (laughs) We're getting gun adjacent. Yeah. So then how Danny do corsets get involved? So Winchester start has his shirt company with a guy named Davies. So it's called the Winchester Davies Shirt Company. So when Winchester gets into guns and eventually starts the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, they build a whole new factory for production of firearms. So Winchester's running that factory, but the Winchester Davies Shirt Factory, it's not like it quits doing anything. It's still operating. And it eventually gets taken over by a company that I most often see as uh, Strauss Adler. And Strauss Adler is making, I think mostly women's clothing in the second half of the 19th century. And they're actually sort of credited with like revolutionizing the corset industry, as I understand it. I'm getting way out of my depth here. So if I'm, if there's a listener that like knows their corset history in this like episode, you can feel free to Danny, can you say correct. that word again? What? Corset? Yeah. Can you say it? Corset. Oh, okay. You, 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 earlier you said corset. And I thought that you oh. had a weird way of saying it. So anyways. <laughs> so anyways. So they're this company also in New Haven that are occupying the former Winchester shirt factory, now making women's corsets. They also have the capability to do printing. And from what we can tell, there's actually some archival evidence to support this, that they, you know, they obviously still have a a sort of tangential connection to Winchester and they come up with an arrangement where they will provide cardboard packing boxes for Winchester ammunition 
And instead of Winchester just paying them outright for this service, Winchester comes up with an arrangement to use scrap brass to make corset hooks for uh, Strauss Adler. So for like the late 1880s, 1890s, Winchester was in the corset hook business. Which is fascinating because, you know, it's we've talked about this plenty of times, but we talk about like how gun companies tend to get into other businesses, but we always talk about like, typewriters, you know, like or right. figure skates, but we don't talk about corsets. But Yeah, this is like Winchester's foray into the other category before their disastrous attempt after World War One. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right when you look at that. But so Winchester didn't stop at corsets. They did make pretty trendy looking clothing, which if you go to the Buffalo Bill Center of the West and you are a woman, you can go to the bathroom and see that clothing on the back of the bathroom stall door because, you know, classy. We have exhibits in our bathroom stalls because we that classy. (laughs) I actually think they're really fun. They're like little cool poster images. So while you're doing your business, you get to learn something. Are you saying that you've been in yeah. the women's bathroom? No, they're in the dude's bathroom too. Is the Winchester lady clothing? No, like other informative posters are in the men's bathroom. Is that Bird also series of, in the men's bathroom? Uh, I don't think so, but there is there are posters above the men's urinals. I mean, man's got to read. Right? That's what I'm saying. I saw an episode of Bar Rescue where they actually made a game out of the urinals, like a video game that you could play with accuracy. And I thought it was hilarious and then was instantly envious. (laughs) Anyway, back to the topic at hand. (laughs) What is this trendy Winchester fashion you speak of? (laughs) No, this is your part. I know the, I've studied the post-World War II period of like Betsy Johnson. So... You keep I mean, going. this is actually, this is post-World War II as well. So at some point in, I think like the late 50s or early 60s, Winchester commissioned uh, a couple designers to come up with an entirely new line of like sporting shotgun, like hunt and hunting clothing. So there's like, there's some that you would kind of expect like, uh, like men's flannel shirts and this really distinctive like Winchester red and black pattern. Uh, and we actually have a couple of those shirts. Um, but then there's also photographs of these like really bizarre, like retro future shooting outfits. And honestly, it kind of looks like the lady just stepped off of in the one photo, like, uh, like space odyssey. I was trying to think of the movie title and I couldn't for a second, but like it's that sort of sixties idea of like futuristic fashion combined with sporting shotgun culture. Well, if that makes any sense. Like super weird because, you know, Beretta does the same thing. They have done the same thing for a really long time. It's almost like, I guess every genre now of firearms has their own version of fashion, like the tactical market. Um, but the shotgun market, you know, because I'm not trying to make assumptions about people, but the shotgun market tends to be associated as a more high-end part of the sport. And so it's always kind of been tied into fashionable clothing. Like, you know, you, if you go on the hunt with, you know, in England with the queen, you know, you're not wearing cryptic camo. You know, you're dressing very nicely. I really, 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 really hope you get an invitation to go shoot in England on like a fox hunt. And bring your cryptic. That would be amazing. 
Or you could be like me on my first hat when I was wearing leggings and a hot pink flannel shirt because I didn't know we were, because when they said we're going on a walk, I assumed they meant an actual walk and not a hunt. We're going on walkabout with guns. <laughs> I, it was like almost lunchtime, man. I was really irritated when Mark actually took a shot and got his animal because then, you know, we had to do all the stuffs and I was really hungry. Well, I mean, technically, <laughs> Blaze <laughs> Pink is now an acceptable hunting color in Wyoming. So there you go. It is. I think now we're just saying fashion things like at random. Yeah, we're, we're getting off topic. Like, of but it's common with the shotgun culture to have a, a higher end, nicer fashion associated with it. Right. There's actual, you know, I would say for like the things that we're probably thinking like clothing brands associated with firearms are generally just like range wear and it's made to be like super practical. Whereas the stuff you're talking about is tends to be is slightly practical with an eye towards like fitting in with a certain setting, I guess. is Well, you know, it, a, of a, better way a lot of the Beretta clothing that I own, I wear not shooting. You know, and that's, so it's this crossover where it's stylish enough that you can get away with wearing it at any time. Although I'm sure there's people on this, on this, that listen to this podcast, they're going to be like, I can wear 5'11 all day, every day. But should you? Should We're you? also, we should also probably mention that of our hosts in this podcast, there's me who is routinely unfashionable. And you know far more about Winchester fashion than I do. I mean, I'm wearing like a CFM fleece right now. So actually, you know, I'm not going to lie. You literally busted out far more information than I've ever heard. And like, I am actually feeling like you purposely held back so that you could be like, and look at me in my CFM fleece. I did not do that. That is a slanderous accusation. So Basically, Winchester, basically Beretta, you know, lots of companies sell clothing that are not just shirts and hats that say their logo, you know, that you know, dudes pick up for free at NRA and you're meeting. Um, but the other side of things, and that's the stuff that I've looked at um, when I do a lot of research on the 60s and 70s, um, different armed movements that you don't necessarily associate with firearms. Um, and, and basically, like, despite the fact that there's a lot of people who are concerned about violence in that time period. Um, and therefore there's a lot of you know, dialogue within the academic community, within the federal government community, because you get the Gun, Gun Control Act of 1968. So despite the fact that there's this kind of uncomfortableness that stems or that evolves into the modern day gun control, pro-gun debate, um, and there's some hesitancy with firearms from some people, it also becomes like really mainstream <laughs> in fashion. So like the, I think it's like the sixties or the seventies where they adopt the, like the popular color gunmetal gray, uh, which actually is not a color. It's gunmetal blue, but that's fine. They don't know, you know? <laughs> um, but you know, you start seeing like actual runway fashion utilizing terminology that's associated with firearms in some way, shape or form. And then, you know, I think it's eighties, nineties and maybe early two two thousands, Betsy Johnson, um, who, if you're not into fashion, this podcast is a kind of eccentric fashion, like high end, high end fashion designer. And Betsy Johnson creates a whole host of firearms, jewelry and clothing. And I actually collect 
and by collect, I mean buy and wear uh, this Betsy Johnson clothing. Um, and, it, and it's interesting because it's like, there's some stuff that's kind of hardcore. So like, um, there's like, uh, I have a sweater that's got revolvers and ammo all over it and it's black and white, but then there's this like green and black, you know, one that is a little bit more like intense um, and it's guns all over it. And then you get, you know, ben C Betsy Johnson, like classic where I have this hot pink tight dress with like a little peplum, which is like a little like thing that shoots out at your hips. Um, pun intended, um, but also accidental. And um, it's covered, it's hot pink and it's covered in black firearms all over it. And it's super cute, um, very retro, but it's funny um, to me because that's total Betsy Johnson style. And then there's a cardigan that I am on a mission to track down so, because then it's a little bit classier where she's got these really nice like cardigans with the frit with like black trim. And then on the back is a giant revolver. <laughs> so like from the front, you're like, Oh, this is a really cute cardigan. It's fancy. And, you know, societally, that's a word, societally acceptable. And it's like, and then you turn, and then like the back of it's like the mullet of, you know, Betsy Johnson fashion is like, here's this firearm. So you get stuff like that. And, you know, as far as I know, Betsy Johnson is not a huge fan of firearms. So I think it's kind of, in, and I could be wrong, but I feel like I've seen stuff and statements that she's made. So I think it's funny that, you know, she has this really firearms focused fashion line that, you know, now I collect, I doubt other people really collect it, but I just think it's kind of interesting because it's something you totally don't expect the mainstream fashion industry to embrace gun terminology, to embrace guns on their clothing, you know, in a way that is still high fashion and not just like the B.E. Meyer shirt I'm wearing with the quote from that Matthew Broderick movie, um, which I can't recall the name of. The closest I come to having any gun fashion items, I think, are some gun themed T-shirts. Yeah, but like it's 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 different than that. Um, and then, you know, you, you move up to modern day where you do have your grunt styles, your 5.11 tacticals, you know, your firearms clothing across the demographics of fashion categories. Um, and you get that and it becomes a lot more of identity and brand. And then you get your, also your pithy expressions and, you know, boogaloo sharks, <laughs> which is a shirt you can buy on the FPC website if you are so inclined. Um, you know, so you get your kind of like snarky stuff, but then like, so I talked about this a bunch, uh, not maybe to the podcast, but to people. So there was this like, <laughs> it was a year or two ago, it was like on Nordstrom's or Neiman Marcus. So like a higher end department store, it was a gross yellow, don't tread on me track suit that had like the snake and everything. Um, and I'm just like, I like one, I'm like, why is like a high end department store that is most likely funding, you know, Bloomberg or giving money to, you know, Moms Demand Action, like a lot of fashion companies do. Like, why did they make this absolutely atrocious jumpsuit? And I'm pretty sure it was expensive. Like, I feel like it was like a thousand bucks or something. Are you trying to look it up, Danny? I am trying to look it up right now live so keep talking about it i think okay. I want... um well and I, I i know who posted it it was dave merrill from recoil i think was the first person that i saw it and then i went and tracked it down myself but it was absolutely the tackiest thing i've ever seen like juicy couture meets molen labe um 
What a great sentence that was that you just said. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at an image of what you're describing, and that is something else. Yeah, we might have to like provide a link for the podcast so that people can see. How much is it, Danny? How much was it? Did you find the price on it? I I, I can't find a price for it. I just I found it on a like somebody posted it to. So somebody posted it to Pinterest and that was one of the first search results when I typed it. So <laughs> just terrible. Um, and then the other thing um, about modern fashion was there was really controversial and I don't even know what happened to it. Like if it went forward, if they just dissolved it, but there was this really, really like it was, ooh, it was hard to stomach. It was like, you know how you have like college shirts with like, or your high school shirt with like, you know, the, the logo for your high school and like people wear it because, you know, they like to say, I went to Harvard or I went to a Harvard gift shop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there was this line of clothing that was being offered. I think it was only online. Um, and it was the schools that have had mass shootings. And it was there, like the name of the school. And then like, I think it was either faux bullet holes or like actual holes in the clothing. I don't remember that one. I remember it um, and it was pretty disturbing to me. And I just felt like, well, I don't shy away from having those difficult conversations. It just kind of felt like. It seems like a weird way to have it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're thinking like super high fashion, like maybe that's a, a statement. But at the same time, if it's then, I don't think if it's high fashion is typically like then suddenly commercially available too. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, and, and that all lends to my also abhorrence of the pumped up kick song. I hate that song. It makes me so uncomfortable every time I hear it. Like I used to, when it first came out and I'd be at the bar and everyone would be like, woo. And I was like, this is no, but at the same time, I'm a hypocrite because I also like another one bites the dust and I'll sing that any day of the week. <laughs> well, now we're moving from guns as fashion to guns as music which is probably which, a worthwhile episode to do which you know it's also like i feel like um the partial reason that my brain went there other than the mass shooting in the schools was the fact that that tracksuit like reminds me of something like you know a super rich like like post malone would wear that you know <laughs> he'd be all over that <laughs> Well, actually, it's it's really interesting that you bring him up because we started this episode by talking about like guns that people would wear as sort of fashionable with, I think, a secondary use of, um, you know, if you're carrying a carriage pistol and you're driving a carriage and somebody tries to rob you, like you can fend for yourself. But Post Malone is also very famous for open carrying guns and like some pretty like, I think one of them was like a pistol braced, like uh pcc or something like that so like yeah do you know how he's he super famous it? Like, like showing up to walmart for with like open carrying ridiculous things i didn't know i mean i knew he was like pro second amendment i did not know that he was known for like open carrying stuff like that oh yeah there's a bunch of photos of him out there like uh i'm trying to think different places one was like a sporting goods store or something one was just like walmart but yeah he open carries and every once in a while he'll carry like open carry something that's I wouldn't say like a fashion statement, but kind of ridiculous. Like, you know, a pistol brace long gun is a little like somebody's going to be really mad at me. This like pro open carry. And that's not why I'm trying to say it's ridiculous, but it's a little bit odd to have like, you know, a PCC strapped to your side. That is true. Of course. Then we did it. We just posted that universal 
catalog where they literally strapped carbines as like oh yeah that was so weird that's we didn't even talk about that fashion oh (laughs) yeah is is surplus gi accessories and 80s hair and a fashion genre i I, you know what i think it is but you know what i also was thinking of you know in terms of fashion but not quite and could be an episode is uh tattoos like gun tattoos are super common even if you hate guns like i know i know some ladies with firearms tattoos on them they work at some establishments (laughs) i will not inquire any further you know but like it's it's a really common i feel like it's really common to see gun imagery on tattoos i think maybe it's just who i hang out with i don't know but maybe i i can't say i've seen a lot so doesn't um doesn't post malone have like a 2a tattoo or something uh i don't know although we've mentioned it enough i feel like we owe him like a speaker fee at this point no which we definitely can't afford. We can't afford it, but we're more than happy to have him come to the Cody Firearms Museum and Post Malone, if you're listening to this podcast, we would love to have you as a guest. Oh yeah. I'd be I mean, I might fly back to Wyoming for that. So all right. Um, are there any other fashion topics that we have not talked about? Oh, I'm I'm absolutely sure, but yeah, we didn't prepare this episode, so you know. So, so we can say this though is that you know this idea of fashion and firearms is something that we find really cool um, and would love to do an exhibition on in our rotating gallery where we can get some of this original clothing. Hopefully, an Oliver Winchester like OG shirt, um, you know, and also some of the more modern fashion trends. Um, is it like, is it too soon for like grunt style to be in there? Maybe a little, but I mean, I, I think the reason we, when we both, we've talked about this before and we both find it an interesting topic and we would love to do an exhibition at some point. So if you have a Winchester Davies shirt or a Winchester corset hook, like call us, but the other thing, I think you're just sitting on a corset hook that you haven't lost. Like (laughs) if you're just, if you just got one of those in the junk drawer, like give us a call. Um, but it's one of those topics because we also like the topics where it's like two things that you don't really think about as going together. And I think this is, fits the bill where it's, you know, high fashion is generally perceived in one category and firearms are perceived in a total another category. And there's, there's definitely some shared history, whether it's something incidental like Winchester getting his money um, for making sh- shirts or it's something more like a direct where, you know, a fashion designer is trying to make a statement. Uh, there's there's all these sort of crossovers along the way. You know who's also making doing. a statement? Who? Camila with her headphones right now, I feel like is so done with us. She's wearing them like a crown. I don't even know if they're covering her ears. She's done and she wants to go home. It's covering one of my ears. And for your information, these headphones start to really hurt your ears after you wear them for a long time. So this is my like effort to try to still have them on and ease relieve some pain so that's me yeah. i'm also really exhausted me too. I you wish this episode because i'm gonna do my one more thing we didn't talk about barbecue guns yet what barbecue guns you don't know about barbecue guns of course i don't 
I don't. I thought I, I don't know what you're know. talking about. Stop pulling out things I've I don't know today thing. just to make me look bad, Danny. He's really into fashion. I'm I'm not trying to do that. Like that's I I honestly expected you. You to were do, the like, one who um said that we should do this subject. So because I knew Ashley had talked about this a lot, so I thought she had she would be like ready to go. Well, I, it's because I don't talk about gun companies with their fashion. I talk about fashion in general that depicts fire. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Well, I'm sorry, co-host. I've failed you. That's okay. I said enough. Um. <laughs> anyway, so barbecue guns, like your fancy gun that you wear to a barbecue. So if you're in a place where open carry is a thing, you have your like normal everyday carry gun that's probably a standard finish or whatever. Then you have your barbecue gun that's like a stainless or like nickel slide or something like that. That That's your showpiece. Danny, what the hell are you talking about? It's a thing. I am not making this up. There is such a thing as a barbecue gun. <laughs> I don't know what circles you're hanging out in, Danny. But Obviously the classy kind. I mean, the like I wear a gun kind. to barbecues, but you think, usually can't see them. Think <laughs> if like... Think if like Momar Gaddafi went to a backyard barbecue, what kind of gun would he bring? And it would be his like fancy gold-plated desert eagle. Gold accented high power. Oh, you just knocked him down a peg. Or ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I was thinking of high point. <laughs> no, yeah. Come on. He showed up with the dollar bill high point. <laughs> I mean, that could ostensibly be a barbecue gun but i was thinking like weirdly gaudy gold-plated like handguns who does this and don't see I, people. i've heard of it the people that danny hangs out with i mean i've hung out with danny at a barbecue before and he did not open gary a firearm <laughs> i've gotten way cooler since you left <laughs> oh my god okay so podcast people Pod people. Pod people. Pod people. If you do, you own a barbecue. Do you gun, own a barbecue yes no? gun, and have you gone to one of these these get-togethers? Um, and if so, just I I don't have it. Why? It <laughs> Send us weird? a photo. I want to see him. It's a fashion statement, Ashley. I just can't. Like I I don't like. I mean, I believe it's a thing because there's just crazy shit in this world. But I. I find it weird that it's like specifically reserved for barbecues. Like, well, wouldn't you wouldn't you bring a specific barbecue purse? No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> what about specific barbecue shoes? No, I have worn high heels to barbecues before, and I've worn sneakers. So no, I don't. I don't, I don't think it's it. a specific only to barbecues wear, but it's like your special occasion carry piece so like does like a bubba's barbecue gift i'm not that steeped in the culture i just know they exist he just he's not steeped in the culture ashley <laughs> this is the greatest tangent that danny's <laughs> ever brought best. us on and like i think that we need to get invited to yeah, one of these next time, um i don't have like a very, maybe, we, maybe we could like, start a new arm. cfm fundraiser every summer we have a barbecue out behind the cfm and you have to wear your fanciest gun now i will say <laughs> yeah. that like wyoming cody's like a town where a lot more people would wear a six shooter 
because they're in COVID. Yeah, I would expect if we held that this Mike kind of event, husband, but I think if we held this kind of event in Cody, I would expect somebody to show up with like a nickel-plated Colt single action. It would be Mark. I I bet Mark knows about barbecue guns. I'm gonna ask right. him when he gets There's home. There's Mark. You should ask him. He's at work. No. On that note. Okay, Camila is covering up her eyes with her glasses. We gotta stop. I'm just so exhausted. I mean, I am too, girl. I feel ya. So, we will talk to you next week about a topic that we're not gonna disclose because- we'll That they will it. actually be prepared be for. I tried as the producer to get them to prepare, but- Ooh, I, I, yeah, I don't wanna tell you guys what we're gonna talk about because we'll forget. Facts. <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>